Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. Super excited today on Cloud and Clear to have a very special guest, one of our newest leaders uh, within SADA Systems. Welcome to Cloud and Clear, Courtney Graham. Hey, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you for doing this. Um, I think you bring such a unique voice to the ecosystem and to the, to the story. I can't wait to tell it. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, you know, it's, it's been an awesome experience so far being at SADA. And uh, I'm excited to kind of talk about my journey here and, and my journey kind of before I ever got to be here. So can you believe it's only been six months or so? I know. I looked at it today and I was like, wow, six months, like, Time flew. Where where yeah. have I been? <laughs> Feels like I've been here for years in a good way. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's start with your background. You bring such a unique um, story of how you evolved into uh, the position at Google and your roles there, which is how we found each other. And then, of course, to Sada. But, you know, your story goes way, way back from that. So let's start, um, let's start from there. Yeah, it, it's interesting to try and you know, find a spot to start in. Um, so I guess I'll start at the beginning, which I think, you know, impacted kind of my career and my journey, which was, um, you know, I was originally born in, in Perth, Western Australia, and my um, entire family is Australian and uh, grew up in, in and around uh, Adelaide uh, in Australia. And so what was interesting about that is coming over to the United States, um, you know, you, you kind of feel like you, you have to immediately like find friends and fit in, even though you're like, you know, have an accent. And so, you know, part of, you know, part of my um, assimilation, you know, was like, how do I kind of navigate this world? Um, because it was so different from, you know, why, where I uh, come from. And so, you know, I grew up there, we, we grew up, uh, we flew into Champaign-Urbana um, in Illinois, and found a town uh, that was a very small town. It was actually a village, um, not even a town. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing in Muhammad, which is where I grew up, um, was, you know, exciting to get a stoplight in town and then like finally able to, you know, I think now they, it's not a dry town anymore. And so like, it, it's funny because, you know, I came from these kind of smaller town roots and, and coming from overseas, um, you know, really made me focus on like, what was I really here for? And what were my parents really trying to instill in me, you know, to, to find that American dream and to kind of build my own career and, and focus in on that. And so part of that kind of upbringing in Illinois um, you know, I found uh, an outlet in sports. And so, um, you know, I had, I'd played uh, basketball since about the third grade. My whole entire family played tennis and soccer. And wow. I didn't want to be like them because, uh, you know, who wants to be like their older siblings when you're the baby of four? And so, um, yeah, I really, you know, took to sports. And for me, sports was not only an outlet, but it was a place where I could learn to be a leader and to, you know, be a team player and you know, deal with different uh, people from different backgrounds and different you know uh, statues like that. And so for me, that was a big um, eye-opening experience, especially when you start getting on larger leagues and traveling leagues where you're yeah. you know, interacting all across the U.S. And so for me, that was a big part of kind of where I started. Division one athletes make really good enterprise software sellers. I just want to <laughs> let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, coming from that, I, I uh, went to a, uh, you know, a junior college my first two years. My first year, I actually happened to be team captain um, and we got third in the nation. 
And wow. so uh, that was an incredible experience, you know, climb the ladder last game, you know, cut the net, get the medal, you know, have <laughs> the media all there. It was, it was really cool. But, um, you know, part of my Division One experience when I, you know, gra graduated at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville was all around um, community. Uh, a big part of, of women's basketball and women's sports, especially at the Division One level, was to kind of give back to the community that you were helped. So we did Habitat for Community, Fish and Loaves, um, you know, all of these weekend uh, really great events were charitable of our time and, and our effort and our money. And so um, that was a great experience in itself to build kind of how and I went from, you know, this small town, you know, gal, so to speak, to, you know, growing up into this, you know, giant organization such as Oracle and Google, um, which is kind of where I, you know, started my career in tech. Well, how did you really get uh, attracted to technology and enterprise software? I mean, first of all, Oracle is like, I think as far as I'm concerned, they invented enterprise software sales <laughs> and enterprise software. Um, so wonderful. We have many ex-Oracle folks at SADA today. But uh, how did you go from, you know, what you were doing, which is very fo you know, focused in the, obviously the academic component, but also the sports component and then saying, you know what, I want to do this. Yeah, I think I fell into it. I think it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of, hey, I need to change, you know, careers here. So I, I started off um, thinking I was going to pursue marine biology. I loved everything to do with the ocean. And in marine biology, you have to do a million math and science classes. And so for me, I had already kind of fell into that math and science world. I, I had curiosity. I wanted to know how things work and if I broke them, how to fix them. Um, and so that leads a lot of, you know, younger people into kind of the STEM type classes and yeah. um, found out very quickly. I, I actually loved as a hobby, scuba diving and dolphins and all the great thing about marine biology. But um, I was actually more apt to want to hang out with people and, and that human connection was more what I wanted to, you know, experience. Um, I actually had parents who grew up um, in, in technology. So my, my father was actually in the engineering um, computer consultant titles, you know, and, you know, entrepreneur. And um, my mother was, you know, head of project management consulting in, in different careers throughout my life. And that was a big influence for, you know, joining technology. Um, mm. And then having that, you know, those key figures in your life when you're young that support you in those you know environments and math and science and and push you in those directions as well math and science was big for me too growing up of course and then but but my parents my dad who grew up in technology actually spent most of his time trying to talk me out of getting into technology because the only clear path for him was 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 medicine but which i obviously didn't become a doctor but the, the foundational education was very similar to what you would go in marine biology so like the tech and science um uh, focus, I think, is is obviously very relevant, but um, it's so funny. My my seven year old is determined, not like a two week thing, but like for months now that she's going to be a marine biologist. <laughs> like that's all she talks about. She's seven. She draws pictures. Anyways, I'm gonna connect you two. We're gonna talk it out because I don't know any other people who have studied the field in any capacity. So she's gonna get a kick out of out of out of uh, having the getting to know Courtney. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I said from about the third grade through my first two years in college that all I was going to do was marine biology. So I got my scuba diving licenses when I was 13 and all sorts of other fun stuff um, to really like be like, I am going to be this. Um, and then, yeah, decided against it. Um, 
which is a story for another time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, but so, so, so again, Oracle being a great training ground, um, and then uh, obviously setting you up with the foundational experience and knowledge to to get you into Google. Uh, how is that transition from Oracle to Google? Did they find you? Did you find them? Is there something unique about wanting to work in the Google world that uh, that pulled you in? Yeah, so I think in order to kind of answer that, I have to pull you back a couple of years before Oracle. But um, when I was in school and I left school, I originally started at State Farm. And being from Illinois, State Farm is one of the largest mm -hmm. employers in, in Illinois. And so I started uh, working for this wonderful woman, uh, Karen Wilson, who was a State Farm agent. And she uh, had me on track to kind of take on her agency and, and you know, follow that path. And uh, I think I was like 19 at the time. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to own my own business at 19. Um, and then you kind of what I learned in that experience was the kind of the human element. You knew everyone who got a new car, bought a new house. If something went wrong with their house, all of the things that you would learn in that environment. Um, and after State Farm, I started working at the Four Seasons and the Four Seasons or kind of while I was working at State Farm, the Four Seasons really taught me this you know, you were dealing with like the Cardinals team and you're dealing with, um, you know, like Americans got talent and, and you're dealing with these really high level business folks and, um, you know, powerful people that you had to, you know, give a certain level of customer experience to. Mm -hmm. And it was during this kind of state farm and four seasons as I was doing this, that um, my college teacher um, and biggest mentor of probably my entire career and Gorman um, had gone back to her role as a, uh, global partner alliance at Teradata. And she uh -huh. had floated out my, you know, resume to a few of her, uh, you know, connections. And that's how I got on the board of, of, of deciding at that time between Google and Oracle. Mm. So a couple of different roles came in. I felt like the Oracle one was the best suited for me. Um, I was like on cloud nine because I was like, wow, like they offered me a great salary. This is going to uh -huh. be awesome. And they're going to move me. And then they're like, pick, any of these five cities and go. And I was like, you know, young. And I was like, all right, great, let's do it. And so I, I came to Austin. Um, yeah. And when I didn't pick Google then, I had always wondered what my career would have looked like if I had chosen Google then. And so right. as I was going through this career at Oracle, which was actually, I think, the, the best choice I'd ever made at that moment in my life, I was finally around these individuals who were, you know, um, Ivy League school backgrounds, plus work experience, you know, plus the kind of this environment I hadn't been in before. And so I was like, okay, how do I excel very quickly and, and get ahead of the pack here? And how do I learn? And, and um, I remember showing up and they're like, okay, you're going to sell a database. And I was like, what's a database? Like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> like, and so it was this completely like, you know, transformational moment where I was like, I have no idea what tech, like I, I used all this technology, but I never really understood how it worked. And so starting at an entry level job, job like I did at Oracle, um, it was a training ground. It was a, I have to learn the entire stack of technology as fast as possible with the components and sales. And so it actually helped my math and science background, but mixed with kind of what I learned from State Farm in the Four Seasons about how these companies actually work that I was able to kind of put both together mm. and really excel at Oracle. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Oracle, like, you know, sell sellers didn't have the uh, hospitality experience, you know, like if we think buyers are, are challenging in technology, I'm sure like at Four Seasons and State Farm, like the, 
the customer experience expectations are like way beyond. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the four seasons really changed my life. The four seasons has a mentality and, and they train to it that says we never say no. Yeah. So you have to go through like, how am I going to structure, you know, a, a, a restaurant menu or a design or a, a group rate or a, you know, an experience for our, you know, our customers coming in. And I think having that background really makes, you know, puts my mindset of how am I going to design an experience both for my team and for my customer that is exceptional where I don't want to have to say no. And mm -hmm. so you take that kind of mindset and that hospitality, you know, edge and you pull that into technology. Now you're customer obsessed. Now you're yes. totally customer focused. And so you, that drives your results that you get at the end of the day. Totally. So you're mixing like we, uh, you never say no with uh, now Courtney doesn't take no for an answer. So <laughs> you got both yeah. sides. Yeah, I have both sides of it. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I, I always want to get people to a yes, right? Because everyone yeah. feels good when you can say yes. Like no one likes to say no. Like it doesn't yeah. matter what role you're in. No one likes to say no. And so I, I learned, you know, very quickly, you know, at Oracle of how to help maneuver the people around me and the groups that had to support me to, to get to that. Yes. To try something different and creative. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, to answer your question, you know, it wasn't until I was able to move to Google that I really found an environment. I flourished in that it was mm -hmm. in a culture and an environment that allowed me to not only just embrace that kind of never say no, but with all these people who are like, we want to say yes, like we want yeah. to do things that are super creative. And, yeah. and, you know, I really flourished in that change and that transition um, from from Oracle to Google. And, and really how I found Google was um, a Google recruiter and, and manager reached out and they came to me from LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. And you and I have a lot of synergies on how LinkedIn has changed <laughs> our lives. And so. Um, you know, that for me was a life changing moment, you know, using LinkedIn to, you know, come recruit me to talk me through what the Google opportunity was. I hadn't wasn't planning on leaving Oracle at the time. And um, it just seemed like I had told Google no, you know, four or five years before that. And yeah. I wasn't going to say no now. Yeah. Look, um, I think one of the things that's uh, admirable and especially in enterprise software, like it's been a big emphasis for us for a few years now. It continues to take center stage. like. Traditionally, enterprise software as a culture has been not very good in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We just haven't been, it's been an industry dominated by white men for a very, very long time, especially in the sales organization. So I know it's one of your passions, actually one of the reasons I was so excited about bringing you on board because you could, your influence at SADA could be so wide, right? In, the, in your role here now, but when did that become part of your passion such that you wore it on like with pride and, and you're on your sleeve and it's something you kind of led with did that really start oracle to get accentuated at google because um because you you never miss an opportunity to 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 elevate the conversation along those lines which is exactly what's needed at every level in every organization if we're going to take um di seriously so when did that really become uh, a passion of yours yeah, so I think very early on, um, again, kind of a parent lesson, um, my parents said that, you know, you're going to experience a world in, in different angles and you're going to be, we're going to take you traveling and you're going to see all sorts of the world and you're going to know, um, you know, that 
you you are privileged and you have a different life and you need to be aware of kind of what that privilege gets you. And so I think that lesson was taught very early on. And then I noticed it. Um, I mentioned traveling basketball, but when, when you combine different resources in a basketball team all over, you have rural and urban, you have um, different races on those basketball teams. And so when you're a leader of those teams at a young age, you, you learn that, you know, some things are cultural, some things are just, um, you know, racist. Some things are, um, you know, not in, in a place where a world that you want to live in. And so I think, to, you know, when I came to Google, they gave me the pedestal to be able to learn, to be able to, you know, interact in all these really tough conversations, explore my own um, biases and um, understand that it's a journey for everyone. And for me, that passion came from wanting to live in a world where anywhere that you look around, it's equal. And, and really wanting to change that in enterprise technology. Um, you know, I had some, uh, you know, bad experiences first coming into tech where, you know, everyone was like, oh, you're, yeah, good luck kid, or hey, you can't do this because you're a woman, or hey, we're not gonna pay you as much. And, you know, so for me, it was about having those people understand the humanity in it, understanding mm -hmm. like, like if I'm working as hard as you, or I'm in the same position as you, I should be paid the same amount as you and, and kind of just, taking that on my shoulders and trying to um, elevate the conversation outside of just one label or one perspective. And I think that's what really helped me accelerate throughout my own career, but it's also how I really try to help um, minorities and, and other folks, you know, develop this, you know, unique perspective of how do you elevate above the conversation? How do you get champions mm -hmm. on your team to help advocate for you uh, when it's the right thing to do? Yeah, no, it's 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 an important thing for us because in our whole industry, not only because it's the right thing to do, but it's actually really important from a strategic standpoint to uh, be a place that's welcoming to everyone, that everyone can flourish and everyone can thrive. And you have a good mix of different backgrounds and ideas because that's where all the best original thought comes from. Right. That's where the. Yeah broadest perspectives come from. They can't have people that are all look the same, all come from the same place with the same level of whatever education or socioeconomic situation. They come from the same country and expect to have uh, the best um, environment in which to compete, you know, in a space. And also like in this global competition for talent, you can't just be like half the populations can't work here. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. So the tech needs it. We need it. Our customers appreciate it. I'm just so proud with how we show up uh, now with Google and with our customers. Um, and I mean, we still have tons of work to do, but um, but I was so excited to have my first regional sales leader be uh, be a badass woman from Google. I was just very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what's crazy is you know at at Google. It, there's so many extra things that you can do. Like there's so many trainings, there's so many things that can open your eyes. And, you know, there's an allyship training and there's there's different trainings that Google's put together internally that really help develop the conversation, even if you are the majority. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, part of, of being the majority is, you know, it is on your shoulders to also have to change and also have to advocate for change. And so- Correct. What I really thrived at Google with leading kind of the DEI movement in, in the central region was how do we have a conversation that doesn't make anyone feel like they're being ousted, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a white man problem. It's a, it's a everyone problem. And so mm -hmm. 
that that you know platform for me was really special when I was at Google, and I um, love the fact that I can you know help impact SADA and and as we grow, really look at the teams we have and have the most diverse teams. You know, I'm really proud of the fact that you know Billy on our team has a very diverse team. That my team now has you know women and men and and all sorts of different diversity you know metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really proud of what we're building here and what you're allowing us to build here and, and championing for us as well. I think one of the keys to your uh, story uh, over time, and I felt that in our first interaction, the first message you ever sent me, and it's not like we'd worked a ton together and, and before like I met you, um, uh, we hadn't. It wasn't like, oh, we were just like, yeah, me and Courtney, we go way back. No, no, like it was actually one of the first real conversations we had, but what was evident in your approach to uh, to this, and some of it was obviously it was timing, great timing, because we're actually looking to make this sort of investment, but it was like, it's your growth mindset, Courtney. You know that's infectious, is your growth mindset, because you're always wanting to be incrementally better at what you do, and uh, the value that you bring, the challenge you take on, and I was like, yeah, maybe this person hasn't done this exact type of thing we're envisioning for this role in a few years from now, but and I think she can really grow into it and crush it because she's not going to bring some preconceived notions around what it could be, right? And, yeah. um, and and what's great about working in this ecosystem and growing as quickly as we are at Google and Sada is that it's not like there's some playbook. There's not some like preset you know menu of how to do this. Like we have to go invent. And I was like, that's the kind of person I want to go with me and invent what the strategy looks like at SADA. And obviously, I, I guess we're uh, at least right so far because you're just coming off like an incredible half and quarter. You have brand new reps crushing major deals. Um, we had just had our you know QBR for one of the regions you, you manage, which is South Central and like that uh, trajectory, the, the progress we've made. I'm just really proud of you. And I think you know, you you won't you'll never lose that growth mindset that I know, but I, I just want you to know that like it it's evident and clear um in, in like everything that you say and how you think and how you approach problems. I appreciate that. Well thanks Tony. You know, it is incredible to be sitting here knowing, you know, I've built an entire team and section of SADA, you know, realistically in the last, you know, maybe 90, 180 days, um, and to watch, you know, a quarter of that team overachieve their, you know, annual numbers, you know, is, is incredible. And I feel like that's the reason why you made the investment. Right. And that's the reason why SADA is going to continue to grow is, you know, by building in, in these, you know, regions where we're betting our business on and, and finding people who really love where they live and really want, you know, to be part of the community and part of the technology scene. And, and, you know, have passion for that. It, I call my team unicorns um, because I really had to go digging through these cities to find the top talent who really had that passion and wanted to build a business as kind of CEO of their own business mm-hmm. um, and, and had the, you know, the capabilities to do that. And to see that hard work pay off so quickly um, is just a testament to the brand you've built here and what sort of, you know, is, is building in the long term. And the partnership with Google is, is amazing to see. The best measure of any leader is how, how their team does downstream, right? That's like the whole thing. That's how I judge myself as, as a CEO. It's like, how are my folks doing? Are they overachieving? Are they growing? Are they excited? Are they happy? Are they taking a, 
are they are they building bigger teams like that's the that's the litmus test it's like the fact that the, these brand new reps are are crushing uh their numbers um very early on like within three months of starting at the company it's like okay courtney like she knows what she's doing i would love to say i would love to take all the credit but my my team has worked ex- you know insanely hard most of them didn't come from the google ecosystem or right. the partner system and so they had you know two flavors to learn um and then add a pandemic on top of that and mm. uh you know it's so much it was so you know challenging for them so much harder for them to come on board you know being remote um yeah, but not only did totally. they overcome the remote they overcame joining a new company they overcame lo- learning google and they're able to add value that's what i'm so proud of for them and and their achievements there so a new leader comes on i've never really worked with and she has this grandiose plan at all all this headcount most of it gets approved had a little bit of a freeze you know covid and we're opening back up <laughs> and i like you know i don't know if i interviewed any one of the candidates maybe one or two but you hired so many folks i'm like i think she knows she, she must know how to recognize talent which is a gift to itself as you know uh i think it's one of my few, few gifts is like I, I think i'm pretty good at recognizing talent but uh, how do you hire? Like, what is even your strategy, your criteria? It's it's not an easy. First of all, enterprise sales is very hard. Um, that's why people who do well here make a lot of money. That's like the the world's always been that way. But it's very hard selling uh, as a partner is completely different and also has its own challenges versus being in house at Google. As now you've experienced uh, both sides. Uh, you also didn't work at a partner before, right? At Oracle or or Google, so. How do you know that this person not only has like the experience, but uh, the grit to to succeed in this type of an environment? Yeah, so I think what I really looked for in in the folks on my team were that sense of hunger. Like they they were they wanted to work for something. They wanted to be better. That you know you talk about my own growth mindset. I really find try to find people with that. Um, kind of mindset as well, not because it's similar to me, but because it shows that they're willing to kind of invest what they have to give me, you know, and what they have to give SADA and their customers in a way that they know that they can kind of course correct at any point in time. Mm-hmm. When you find people who are very much like, this is all I do, and this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to be, it's much harder to open that person's box, so to speak, and have them think differently or try something different. And so for me, what I looked at with my team was a sense of kind of hunger, a sense of drive. Um, and really, um, I, I'd say an ability to trust when I first get on Mm -hmm. with somebody and I'm talking in an interview, I probably know within the first minute and a half, if I feel like I could trust that person. And so for me, you know, I cycled through lots of different interviews that I never even passed on to recruiter or to you or to, you know, anyone above me, because I just knew from the get go that like, I don't think I could trust this person. I don't think I could walk this person into a board of directors and have them hold their own. And so I think mm. about some of those scenarios and I ask myself if, if this was the person who all of the sales resided on, would, would they do well? And mm. so it's a sense of kind of your first gut instinct, but it's also the, the trust and honesty. I put that above anything else. I feel like I can teach someone Google. I can teach someone SADA. Yeah. You know, what I can't mm. teach are your willingness to go hunt, your willingness to keep yourself motivated and your willingness to at the end of the day always fall on a sword if it becomes you know 
trust and honesty at stake. And so that's yeah. really what I look for in my team. That's that's amazing. No, I'd, it'd be like, you know, I met like maybe Charlie or Anthony or I met Jessica earlier, but like you bring someone on board and I, I didn't even interview them and we're working on like the first deal together. And I swear, I think I did this at least twice when after meeting somebody from your team and talking about a deal. We talked about a deal and I'm like, I swear to God, right after I pinged Orkita, I'm like, dang, Courtney hires really well. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, straightforward, presentable, professional, know what they're talking about, high EQ, like, dang. Yeah, like I swear I did that like at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> after meeting them for the first time after they'd already been hired. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, you know, the one thing I did leave out, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, it is a big part of my team is the EQ thing. I think, you know, again, some things you can't teach and in the empathy world and in that kind of EQ, you, you really in this position in sales or really any position, you have to be able to read people. You have to be able to put yourself in their shoes, mm -hmm. understand how to keep your cool, understand and be very self-aware. And so mm -hmm. you don't thrive in this position, um, whether you're a manager or an individual contributor without that empathy. It's such a big part of hiring. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, like what I'm realizing, especially after the quarter we had, where we had like so many monster deals, including in your patch, but also outside of your patch. I'm sitting there and saying like, this customer has just signed, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $60 million contract. Like to that company, this is probably their biggest financial commitment they're ever gonna make. And they're making it to Google Cloud, but through SADA, like holy, how there's no bigger expense that this customer is going to have than their cloud expense and they're choosing google cloud and choosing sada that is very humbling but also how can you get you know someone who's betting their entire business on this platform and on your support of this platform without an extremely high degree of credibility trust factor eq performance drive you can't it's just not going to happen there's these are not little decisions we're not selling commodity widgets right they're like <laughs> if it works doesn't work whatever like most of our customers are betting their entire business on this decision and it's a huge dollar you know commitment that they're about to make so it's 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 almost unbelievable because i think none of us thought especially post covid like we'd be accelerating this fast um but I feel really good about this quarter as well. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it's, incre yeah. it's incredible to see that like our best quarter, you know, in company history was one where we were challenged the most. Like mm -hmm. Sada had, you know, been in an office culture most of the time. I didn't have to go work from home, was able to go fly and meet customers and take them yeah. out. And, you know, and everyone here had to adapt. And I think that's the credibility that, you know, you have in, in your leadership is to really, you know, drive that home that, you know, it is about empathy. We all were like, Hey, sorry, my kids in the background, sorry, the dogs are barking, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and everyone, including customers were in the same boat. And so I think yeah. if you didn't have those kind of traits and you weren't showing up every day, you know, the customers can see that and, and they value yeah. the fact that you're going to take their commitment seriously and you're going to go hustle and drive and, you know, fight and claw for the best deal, you know, for them and the, and the best situation for their longevity. Um, given the pandemic, a lot of customers mm -hmm. 
are not, we're not in a good place. And so we are mm -hmm. the, you know, the liaison, so to speak, of getting them into a better place. Yeah, I feel very duty bound by that. We're in a position to help. We should, we should help. And there's a bunch of things we did initially around the mechanics of helping. Okay, helping them move to this different way of working or helping them with financial relief or different payment terms or technical support issues. And then I think the longer term sort of the helping is going to be in the form of how can they experience massive cost savings by virtue of moving to the cloud faster than they thought? Or how can they, uh, on the flip side, uh, completely transform their businesses? And that pathway leads through cloud as well, because it's cloud is how you do that. Um, certainly one of the most important tools in how to, how to do that. And, and a lot of the customers, especially in the territories you serve, are traditional enterprises that are facing an existential crisis right now. Yeah, and it's been, you know, it's been really challenging to see, you know, layoffs after layoffs and, you know, uh, people losing their jobs and, uh, you know, unemployment skyrocketing. And you think about this and, and I do feel very duty bound, especially in covering the central region and the southeast. I mean, these are these are people I grew up around. These are companies I supported, um, you know, that now are having to face a crisis of we need to transform. We need to you know, remove costs, we need to optimize processes in order to survive, in order to employ hundreds and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my team has been tasked with a, you know, a, a huge, uh, you know, bag to carry on our shoulders of how do we reach all of our customers and how do we really help them through this time, getting them the right, you know, knowledge, the right technology, um, and really kind of driving those results forward. Uh, you know, we can talk all day long how my, my title says sales, um, but really, you know, it, it should say servant. I feel yeah, like my entire sure. team is there to, to, you know, pick up the bag and really carry our customers on our shoulder and guide them to uh, the right fit or say when it's not the right fit. And I think that's, right. that's the honesty you get from from coming to SADA for sure. And what's different in selling cloud technologies is that 90 percent of the work is after the sale. Yeah, like that's the obligation. It's potentially a customer for life if we serve them well. But what they're buying is sort of the potential and the promise. So all the work starts after. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work to get them there. Those technical sort of credibility building, architecting, proof of concepting, commercial negotiations, all those things. Very important to gain the confidence of the platform. But they're signing these multi-year commitments. And it's like, that's like, we're married. <laughs> we're married <laughs> yeah. now. And we have to make them successful. But it's, uh, there's also... Like the, the beauty in this model is, is which is what, what why we love with the fell in love with the Google business is that a couple of things like nobody bought Google technology and never deployed it. In other ecosystems, that's not the case. A lot of people buy stuff in technology they never turn on. They buy it because it's part of a renewal or some enterprise agreement and just kind of like the inertia causes them to buy things they don't actually ever deploy, therefore don't benefit from. And then um, the other part of it is like the the incentive model for our partners completely geared at driving the right behavior. Don't sell the customer something that they're not going to use because they won't pay you for it. Um, don't leave after the sale because they'll just cancel on you, right? <laughs> like yeah. these are very like it's it's yeah it's do the right thing, but like actually the economic model of a partner like Sada completely depends on overserving the customer, and I think that's great for Google because. That's how they scale through partners, but ex exceptional for customers. Like they know we have to stick around. We're we're engaged. Uh, we didn't sell some on-premise stuff and left. 
you know? And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think part of why people like to work here is because they get to see the business impact and the outcome of the sale they made, then the implementation work we did, and how it changed those companies, how it changed the people that made the decision, right? The leaders who bet on us, like what happens in their careers, but the people that use the technology, I think that's that's why I love this business is because I see the impact on the people within SADA in that journey, but also, of course, our customers. And um, yeah, it, it's, it feels like a great deal of responsibility because especially now, I think we can help. And I think customers have to accelerate what they thought was a multi-year journey to experience digital transformations. Like, no, actually, they don't have years. They have months. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely accelerated for sure. And I think what I've what I've always said about my job at Google, and I'll still say here, is it's the hardest sales job I've ever had. And it's not hard because the technology isn't isn't great. And that's what is so mind boggling and so you know different for me from coming from the Oracle perspective is um, Google's technology is the best. It's mm-hmm. it, I when I first hit G Suite as an example, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, why didn't I have this from the beginning of time? This was incredible. And then you'd go try and sell it, you know, to large businesses and and they'd be like, oh, we're already in an agreement or, you know, whatever. And so you have really had to sell on the value of it. And what was mind boggling Mm -hmm. to me was that that it had so much value. You just had to use it to see it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this job for sure is not about the transactional sale. It's not about, oh, well, we got one workload on or, or whatever. It's absolutely day in, day out. Every day you're here, you you have to win, and and it's mm-hmm. you have to beat out the other you know vendors. You have to beat out the other partners. You know mm-hmm. you you and the only way you do that is providing value to the customer at the end of the day. And so yeah. you know this is going to continue to be the hardest sales job I've ever had, um, <laughs> but it's also going to be the you know the most rewarding and the most fun sales job I've ever had. Yeah. Well, what's what's incredible is we have to pinch ourselves is that we're we're in, in one of the few markets in the world in which there's there's virtually unlimited demand for what we do. Doesn't mean it's easy to get customers to do it, but the demand is there. It is just a matter of engaging with the right customers at the right time. And not a lot of markets can say that. But there's like the next five years to ten years are pretty well known. We just don't know how big it is. We know it's just very very big. And it's going to grow very fast. No analyst can put an actual total addressable market on it that's accurate, but it's it's amazing to be in a position to not only participate, but drive the narrative in the market and drive the success stories in the market and drive the industry transformation in the market. Um, we have a lot of work to do together um, for many, many years to come. Um, looking forward, do you have any sort of final thoughts of what you're thinking about the most, what's intriguing you the most. I, you know, I think what's great um, is, is I really view myself as a builder. I, I like to build people up. I like to build myself, you know, bigger, greater, whatever. And so for me, the, the, the best thing about this hockey stick, so to speak, of Google Cloud and the acceleration is that um, there's going to be growth. There's going to be great growth for myself and my career. There's going to be great growth for the people I've brought onto my team. And I think that's what's exciting is that you can really build yourself inside a company that allows you to, you know, new challenges, allows you to keep growing, allows you a greater sense of responsibility. Um, I'm excited to see this trajectory of, of where Sada goes as we as we bring on, you know, monster deals and monster logos and and really continue this trajectory. That is is what's fun for me, um, and, you know, and 
building a very, you know, diverse and equitable and inclusive team, um, you know, is, is exciting to me that I'll get to kind of lead that charge for this region and really develop these customers and SADA. It's the biggest relief and it's so confidence inducing in me as a leader to have, as a CEO, to have leaders like you on the ground that I just know, oh, well, of course, call me when needed and I'll always show up. But like generally, like, you know what you're doing, you're completely aligned, you know how to execute. It's been the biggest relief uh, for me and of course for, for Joe and head of sales. And we're using that as a model, as you know, Canada's next and our leader there starts on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, we're super uh, excited we're to, to have that leader on the team. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Cloud and Clear, sharing your thoughts, sharing your story. I know the listeners are going to love it. And I look forward to doing tons and tons of great transformational work with you together for years to come. Yeah. And, you know, thanks so much for having me. It's going to be an incredible journey. Um, I'm so thankful that you brought me on and, and you know, allow me the creativity um, and build my confidence to, you know, really execute in this region. So thank you for everything you do for all of us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.